This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. You are now listening to the Heroic Council. Okay, okay, fine. So I got it working, but somehow we lost him. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. What in the world? (laughs) So, I mean, I guess there's that. Sorry, Tim. I I think he'll be back. He'll be back. (laughs) I have a good feeling about it. I do. I feel, uh, by the way, how's my audio, guys? How's How's this sound? Do I sound good? Yeah. So I got a new mixer. For all of you listening at home, um, I got a new mix. I'm really excited about it. It's called the Roadcaster Pro. Uh, have you seen it? Oh man, those are a beauty. I can't wait to get. Yeah, I've, let I've, me tell you. Yeah, let me tell you. It is. It is as sexy as you think that it would be. I opened this. I put it on my desk, and I was like, "Oh, sweet lord!" It was just. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of machinery, and um, and much love to my old mixer. I will miss it. Uh, but this thing. Yes. This thing. It's like I my phone is connected via Bluetooth to it. So like I can take callers now. Like if yeah. I wanted to have somebody call in, I could have them call my phone. It's that's really neat. Very yeah. cool. So I feel like that's pretty cool. Um anyway, uh Tim will be back shortly, I think. And um in the meantime, let's uh let's set up what we're talking about today. Let's make sure that people know. So first of all, it should be stated that our original intention last week was to have a conversation. Uh, there was going to be a two part. It was going to be a two episode thing where we were going to um, talk about how to basically build a business and we were going to do it live and in real time. So we were going to take an idea of like a fictional business and we were going to build it from the ground up over the course of two episodes. Last week, a bunch of stuff happened. We got, all of us pretty much couldn't make it. Like it just was a thing we had to put off to the side. And because it's a two episode thing, and we have a guest next week, right? I believe we have a guest yes. for next week. Yeah. So we're going to push that. We're going to push that until I think we have like three weeks of guests lined up. So if you were going to tune in for like the how to build a business uh, thing, stay tuned. Keep watching. Just not today. Keep watching today, but don't keep watching today for that because that's not going to happen. Uh, but what will happen today, <clears throat> Tim, you look confused. Um, what will happen today <laughs> is that uh, we're going to be putting a spotlight on fellow council member, Sarah O'Hanison, or as Tim would like to call her, Sarah O'Hanesian, or... I've heard all of it. All of them. I've heard Sarah, oh my gosh, how do you say that? Like, so it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So anywho, um, so today that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Make sure to tune in to the Hero Council every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Uh, and we're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about life. We'll answer your questions if you have them. You can always go to the website and submit a question. You can find one of us on the interwebs. We're very widely available. Uh, and you can subscribe to us on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting platform. You should check us out and join our Facebook group. Uh, and you can find any of that information, all of that information, the places to subscribe, et cetera, at superheroinstitute.org slash heroic. And all the notes will be there along with show notes. Um, and if you love the show, the best thing that you can do is leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Now that we've gotten all of our self-promotional nonsense out of the way, let's move into self-promotion of Sarah Hennison. Uh, Jack, thank you for tuning in as always. Good to see you. Um, All right. So today we're going to talk to Sarah about Sarah and uh, learn more about what you do and all that sort of good stuff. So I'm going to switch the view and put us off to the side and put you center stage. 
There you are. There That's you a are. Lot of Sarah. <laughs> so I'm going to be driving the conversation, uh, but not dominating the conversation, but driving it. Uh, and Parshel and Tim will be joining me as well as we pick apart your background and your current and your future and try to figure out what makes you tick and let everybody who is a fan of the Heroic Council get to know you a little bit better. So let's just start out with this. Sarah, what is it that you do right now? Like, who are you and what do you do? Oh, Great. That's a good question. So I started a business called So Productive, which is my initials because sometimes people get that after the fact and they go, oh, it's your name. So So Productive is the name of the company. Um, but, you know, really too many people are leaving work feeling like they just can't get enough done. And so they really come home feeling anxious and, and stressed and unable to relax. And I was there myself a few years ago. I was a chief marketing officer, had a wonderful career, but I really felt burned out and overwhelmed myself, despite loving my job and my career, because I just couldn't get all the things done that I wanted to get done. So a few years ago, I started a productivity process just for myself to really get through my day and help my team. And it worked. And I started leaving the office during daylight and really running a sustainable race towards success. So now what I do is I'm a productivity coach and I help people be able to clarify their thoughts, organize their work and take action so that they really can be done at the end of the day and feel a sense of freedom and peace knowing that they got the right things done for today. So that's that's what I do now. And it's just it's the best. I love it. Cool. So uh, for any of you out there who have dreamed of becoming an entrepreneur, Sarah is going to be an excellent guest for you to listen to because Sarah has been at a company and she has now been living the life of an entrepreneur for a little while and she has taken to it like a fish to water. So uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, interesting for any of you out there that have thought about jumping ship, maybe starting your own thing to see what Sarah's process has been like. Okay, so we've covered what you do. We've got the productivity coach, the, the kind of the things that people get from working with you. And we'll talk more about the intricacies of your business. But there's a conversation that um, we've had offline. You and I, Tim's been there for it. I think Parshall's been there for some of it, where we dig a little deeper, therapist couch style, and find out <laughs> why you do what you do. And the most recent time we talked about it, we went pretty deep on it. And I'm curious how your answer has evolved to this question. And I think for everyone's sake that's listening, helping to understand why you do what you do, the belief that drives you, um, why doing this work is important to you. I mean, obviously, you're good at it is one thing, but there's, there's something else driving you. Can you help share for people why is it that you do productivity coaching and do it in the particular way that you do it? Yeah, for sure. Happy to. I, you know, I think 2020 and 2021 have especially put this into perspective for people where we really saw firsthand life is short. And while that is a cliche, this year, definitely this past, you know, 18 months or so have really made people realize I, you know, my time is unknown. I don't know how long I'm going to have with my family and my loved ones. So I really have been reflecting on this for many years. I lost my in-laws, both my in-laws, who I was very close with at a really young age. And I just saw them work so hard and give so much to their business. And then they unfortunately passed away too soon. And so 
I really believe that when people can get fulfillment out of their work and get the right things done during the day, that they can take a break and have some freedom at the end of the night to choose what they want to do. You know, maybe they want to go out for dinner with their spouse or spend time with their kids. So I really believe that people deserve to have freedom and choice in their life and not just be controlled by the work that they have to do. Hey, Sarah. So a uh, quick question. Um, so you're running a productivity business and you're also one of the most productive people that I know. Um, and, uh, and you just mentioned that something that you think productivity, your productivity business can benefit people with is that it gives them the freedom to live their lives as somebody who, uh, is productivity impact your life in particular? Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. And I think the thing that's interesting is productivity isn't one size fits all. I say that a lot. So this productivity is sort of a weird, vague term that can mean so many things. But what's important is to, yeah, figure out how does productivity apply for your life. And, and for me and for my clients, what that starts with is what do you want? You, you know, I don't know if anybody here has seen the notebook. I have just maybe more than once. Um, but one of the famous scenes in that movie is they're in the rain and, and Ryan Gosling is screaming, you know, what do you want? What do you want? And it's such a simple question. But I feel as if often as grownups, as adults, we've stopped dreaming. We've stopped thinking about what we want and what matters to us. So I really try to help clients at the beginning of our time together to figure out what's important to you and are you actually spending time on those things? And it's just a moment to reflect on, pause for a second and have permission to think about what's important to you. Like literally, what do you want? And it's such a simple question, but you know, people often as adults don't take the time to answer that. So for my life, what it looks like was I wanted some more freedom. I wanted some more choice. I wanted to be able to structure my day and my weeks the way that I can really uh, excel. I, I work best, you know, I know Jeff's not a morning person. I am a morning person. I get up early and, and start my day. So for me, it was really about like, how can I be my best? When am I my best? And then am I making sure that I have enough time for exercise and self-care and yoga things that are important to me and then of course you know being with my husband and my family so that's what's that's what's really how it's worked for me so because i love i love this this journey and kind of understanding more of like why you do what you do it's it's really powerful so uh, my question is what shifted in you like along that journey of saying you know what i'm gonna choose myself i'm gonna make a change from what I've been doing before, because ultimately you had to make a big change. So like what shifts in you had to happen in order to make make that sort of space for yourself? Yeah, I can, I can think of a few moments where things really sort of hit me in the face, right? And one was I was sitting at the airport. So I used to do a lot of travel domestically and internationally for my for my role. And I love travel. This is like travel is great for me. But I was sitting at the airport and I'm at the at the bar, you know, just grabbing a bite to eat before. And the woman sitting next to me said, where are you going? And I looked at her and I said, I, I've got no idea. <laughs> and the poor lady was like, 
okay, like, honey, check your ticket, you know, but like, she didn't really even know how to react. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God, I am so busy. I am at this airport so often that I'm literally just living by the calendar. Like what's next? Where am I going? What flight am I on? What train am I taking? And I was sort of, I realized in that moment, like I'm missing the journey. I'm missing like being present and really able to live in the moment. So that was kind of the first thing that really was like, wow. <laughs> you got to oh get this <laughs> you got to get this figured out. The other thing that happened was I was coming home every night and like my husband wasn't getting the best of me, right? He was getting the worst of me. So this person who's really most important in my life is getting the 5% that's left at the end of the day. So I say, you know, I would make key decisions all day and be really on and and on point. And then my husband would say, what's for dinner? And I'd just be lost. Like, I, I can't make that decision. Wow. So I just, you know, I felt bad for him. And so those were just a couple things that really kind of came to light to me. And I said, you know, I just, I want to do something different. Um, the other major thing was I was listening to a lot of podcasts and reading books and learning more about this personal development you know, genre of, of uh, content that's out there available to us. And I just kept thinking like, oh, I want to do what they're doing. I want that. That seems amazing. And at some point I just thought, well, why can't I do that? If they can do it, why can't I do it? I'm, I'm pretty smart. People like me. I've got a wonderful network of people that will support me. And at some point I just thought, I think I can do this. And so, you know, people like, like, like both of you, I have another wonderful Jenna, you know, there's been some people in my life who just said, yeah, you, you can do it. And that was almost a moment of giving me permission to do it. And I think that's sometimes that was something that I needed for sure was that permission. But so yeah, there are a couple moments leading up to it. And then a few, you know, key people in my life that said, like, go for it, you can do this. Wow. And are you finding that the people that you work with also have varying you know degrees of circumstances that they also are being hit with like like what you just mentioned stories of like being in the airport and not even knowing what your next destination <laughs> is i couldn't even imagine <laughs> but uh what what are you are you surprised to hear people's stories when they kind of describe where they're at yeah i i think also what's especially in in 2020 and now the beginning of 2021 what's happened is we're living in this pandemic time where people are still working from home so much. And what I've seen in that time is there are really no boundaries between work and home. So I have a lot of clients who come to me and they just they just don't know when to stop. They just don't know when work should end. They don't know when it's good enough, you know, when that project can be done. When when is it good enough? Um, so yeah, I think I think a lot of people struggle with this, especially the people who are perfectionists, who are type A, who are people pleasers, which are a lot of my clients. That that's me also. So I can really relate to people who who feel that way. I want to piggyback on one of the things that uh, Parshel just asked about with the mindset, um, and I'm curious. And I alluded to this earlier that you've kind of lived now in both sides of the employment spectrum of having somebody who employs you and now employing yourself. I'm curious, um, since for me that I've never been able to exist in both, I've only ever been able to really truly exist in one. I've been, I'm like the worst employee in the world and I'm just generally a horrible person inside and out while I'm working for somebody else. So for me, the distinction is very, very clear. I'm really curious, what 
do you see as the difference between the mindset, the drive and motivation, just the the lifestyle differences of being employed versus being self-employed? Like what are some of those key differences specifically as you've moved from employment to self-employment? Like what have you noticed that you think maybe other people should know about? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's so different, (laughs) but if you're the kind of employee that is motivated and, and was sort of treating the business like they owned it, like you had an owner mindset, which I, which I like to think that I did, I didn't have the risk, but I did have that uh, mindset. I think that that's someone who can really excel as being an entrepreneur. Um, Jeff, you called me many years ago at this point, an intrapreneur. You know, someone who is at the company, but driving things forward, making moves, making decisions, you know, can never sit still with the status quo, someone who's always looking to make improvements. And I really recognize that in myself. So I feel as if once I knew I was thinking about going on my own, you know, two, three years ago or so, I really started to use that time to explore and and learn as much as I could about running a business really, you know, as someone else was paying me to do it and helping that business. And I tried to learn just as many skills as I possibly could. And that really set me up for success being an entrepreneur. So I think while you're still working, it's about finding those opportunities, putting yourself out there, meeting as many people as you can, just learning all the time. And then when you're ready to go on your own, you're going to have the skill set to do it. So just to follow up on that real quick, and I actually want to involve the other council members slightly on this, but um, in moving to being an entrepreneur, what have you found are some of the most important skills that you think people should prepare themselves for? And then after you're done answering, I would just like sort of like a one word answer from the rest of the council members on, you know, if you agree with Sarah or if there's something else you want to add to it um, in addition to it, but like, what are those skills that you're like, wow, I didn't realize how important that would be. I'd imagine productivity is one for you that you're like, well, obviously, but what else would you yeah. say are those skills people really need to think about? Well, yeah, the, the couple things that are obvious are obviously in the productivity realm, which thankfully I am good at. Time management, setting priorities, you know, figuring out how much time something's going to take and, and giving myself the, the resources and the space to get those things done. The other thing that also I I feel grateful that I'm good at is discipline. You know, there are there are days where you're not going to feel it and there's days you're going to really feel it and you could put in a 16 hour you know day without any breaks. So I think as an entrepreneur, it's really about putting boundaries and balances in place for yourself because no one else is going to say to you. The building closes at six, you have to leave your desk, you know, the lights are going to get turned off. It's really about figuring out when am I going to be working? When am I going to be serving people? When is it good enough? Like, when is it time to push that lead gen tool out the door and not, you know, pour over it for three more weeks trying to make it perfect? So only I am the only one that can really define that for myself. And so I think that that's a really big change, you know, and the other thing is you're fully responsible. Like there's, I cannot say, oh, well, you know, that's, that's Jeff's fault. Like he made me do it. No, it's me. I'm responsible for my actions and for my business. And so I think that's a really cool and empowering opportunity, but that can also be, you know, stressful and that's not right for everybody. 
honestly. So I think before you dive into entrepreneurship, just evaluate that. How much risk are you willing to take? Um, early when I was starting, a few people told me, give yourself enough of a runway. And that was really good advice because I think in the first two, three months, it's very easy to say, well, you know, I didn't replace my income or I'm not getting enough clients. This business is slow. It takes a while. And so, you know, set yourself up financially, emotionally, um, you know, do what you need to do, but, but like, don't give up too soon. I think Seth Godin writes a book about that and, and how many people give up like the moment before or something's about to happen. So uh, yeah, figure out what dip. your runway is. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a dip that you're talking about. Yeah. So figure right. out that runway and go from there. Parshel, what would you say um, skills that you think people jumping into entrepreneurship need to be prepared to, to learn and, and execute on? you know, quickly and importantly. The thing that came to mind was technical skills because I mean, really just being efficient with, even when you get on the computer not sitting there not knowing what to do or where to click next, like that can suck up productivity and time. So I think like also kind of getting abreast to, you know, some solid programs that are going to make, you know, kind of all of your technical needs when you get on the computer easier. Like for example, understanding Google drive, like, that's a great platform, for example, that allows you to do so many things in one from like doing documents to spreadsheets and all of that slides, presentations, like that's just one thing. Some people aren't familiar with it. And I'm like, really? <laughs> um, but things like that, I think are, are useful going into entrepreneurship is like kind of finding your own tools and, um, and being open to learning the tools is big. Tim. I would say um, uh, resiliency is probably like, um, for me, it's like the biggest thing. I, I mean, I, I agree with everything that Sarah and Parshall said um, specifically. I just know like uh, uh, starting a business and investing in something, especially if you don't have a ton of capital or like, uh, or you're putting a lot you know, of yourself into this, like being able to stick with it like over a long period of time and being able to sit through some really like slow, slow times for your business. And when you're trying to like build your network and all that, just like, just having like a stupid amount of faith in yourself. And when you don't have an amount of faith in yourself, do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Or find people that can at least pump you up for that to get you over yeah. that, uh, whatever that chasm is. Well, I'm going to add my, uh, my few things that I'll, I'll, I'll be the, the voice of, um, like kind of the the hard skills of business. And I'll say, I think the three most important things that anybody going into entrepreneurship needs to focus on are one, sales. Two, understanding your finances so you can keep your expenses as low as humanly possible. And the third would be customer experience. If you can sell someone and get them in the door, give them a great customer experience and keep your expenses low enough, you'll have a profitable business. So those are kind of my three things that I would uh, encourage people. I know it's something that uh, all of these things that we've talked about are all things that we've all discussed before in various different contexts. And I think the underlying mindset of resiliency and discipline, I think without those two things, even the advice that I just gave about sales and keeping your expenses low and customer experience are irrelevant because you need to be disciplined and resilient to be able to even get up each day to do what you need to do to do those things. And, um, and people I, skills too. I mean, you're dealing with and working with a lot of different people. So for what it's worth, I wanted to put that in there. I can't, uh, yeah. how many people I have, you know, I talk to or engage with just on a day to day basis. Like it is more, even more now after the pandemic in a sense, but yeah, 
people skills and just knowing how to be yourself and connect with people is really big. Yeah. Legit. Um, all right. I'm going to ask uh, the next one and then I'll, I'll uh, turn it back over again to Parshall and Tim, but uh, curious, cause I don't think I know the answer to this, but if we were to go back in time and talk to a much younger <laughs> version of Sarah, uh, interesting context for finding out how we got here. What would the little girl version of Sarah say that she wanted to be when she grew up? That is interesting. So when I was very little, I wanted to be a marine biologist, which I have no idea why, because I actually wasn't, we never had pets growing up because I'm allergic to most, despite now having a dog. Um, And I do not, I grew up in Chicago. I did not live near the ocean. Uh, Lake Michigan has some marine life, but not quite. So I really don't know where that came from. But more realistically, I suppose what I used to love to do was I was a little a little cheerleader. Um, I have a picture on my website. My dad was a basketball coach, and they let me be on the cheerleading team when I was in kindergarten with the eighth graders. So that was quite fun. So I feel as if I've always been like cheering and on the sideline and like that kind of personality and and really like helping to motivate people from a really young age. Uh, The other thing I love to do is I love to play waitress because I do believe I love to make lists always. So those were some of the things I like to do when I was a kid. (laughs) Like, what would you like for dinner? What would you like? (laughs) That's phenomenal. That is awesome. Well, like how, so being the cheerleader, how does that, um, how, how does that show up in how you work with your clients? And I'm curious too about like the process, like what are the stages that you bring your clients through when working with you? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I realized is I was a cheerleader when I was little and now I'm a coach and they are not the same. While there is an element of cheerleading in coaching, you know, cheerleaders say, rah, rah, play defense, like go get them. That's not really helping the team. So while I like to say I I cheer my clients on and I do encourage them as a coach now, I help them figure out exactly what to do. So I am very heavy into implementation and execution because there is so much content. If you Google productivity or how to be more productive, I mean, you will find all kinds of things. But what I'm seeing is people, oh my gosh, (laughs) Jeff, you have to put that on the bigger screen. I got it. I did it. There it is. Oh, that's really funny. There she is. She really was a cheerleader. Found I it. was. Did it that quickly. All right. I sorry was. about that. I interrupted your train of thought, but I had to put it up there. Oh, that's Jeff, great. How'd you get that photo? Did you find that online? I found Stop. it on. She said it was on her it's website. I was like, oh, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get it right now. <laughs> that was like the. That was like my prime. I just loved. It was life. Couldn't have got better. That yeah, you had that. That that photo had the exuberance and energy of cheer. Like I felt like rah rahing myself. Oh, I just love it. Thank you for that. Um, anyways, uh, what were we saying? We um, totally lost my train of thought with that one. Yeah, that's my bad. That is a podcaster no-no right there, but I just completely destroyed the flow. <laughs> but anyways, with, with, I think we were talking about, you know, coaching and, and the process. So what I really try to help people with is like cut through the clutter and there's, you've heard all these productivity things and you've tried 10 journals and you've learned this method and that method. Like, 
again, productivity is not one size fits all. We have to figure out what's going to work for you and for real this time. Like, I don't want you to have a bunch of skills, but that, that doesn't work in your everyday life. So a quick example is people will say, you know, don't check your email uh, except for, you know, 12 and 430. Well, that's fine. But if you're in customer service, your email's going all day. That's the role you were hired to do. So I think it's just impractical to make these blanket statements about productivity when people really need to know how does that tool skill rule apply to them. So uh, the biggest thing now that sets me apart from that picture long ago is that I am a coach. So I am providing strategy and tactical implementation for you know, all the players on the team, if I'm doing corporate training or for the individual. So I recently wrote a blog post that I featured you in. I was talking about um, the last competitive advantage, which is spoiler alert for those who haven't read it yet. It's about being distinctive. It's about finding a unique angle. And you actually just brought up something that made me think of this, but you were talking about how there's a lot of productivity coaches out there. And I wrote this in the blog post. I wrote, there are a lot of productivity coaches, but Sarah's doing it to give you peace of mind at home rather than simply helping you ship more widgets for the company. This resonates with her ideal audience. So my question for you is you, you were planning this move of working for yourself for a while and you came out and you thought, I have this productivity business. I've got my own methodology, et cetera, et cetera. Did you know your differentiation immediately so that you would stand apart from these other productivity coach knowing about this uh, idea of feeling like enough at home? Was that just obvious out of the gate or was it something that you sat there and you kind of thought, well, there's a lot of productivity coaches. What's going to be like my thing? Um, and I, I, I realize I actually don't know the answer to that. And I wrote this post about that, but I, and we've talked about your brand and your belief and your purpose and all that stuff. And I actually don't know the answer to that, how quickly that came on the heels of you starting the business. So it actually, if I, if I think back and reflect on it, it was the catalyst for change. Like it was the thing that made me want to do this was I wanted to help people. I wanted to have some purpose, some legacy, essentially that, that people would say, you know, she helps me spend more time with my family. Like that, that's what I want. Right. And I want you to be happier in your life. You know what I mean? It sounds so out there, but we're living and and we have you know so much to give for other people and i feel like this was a skill that i had that i could really share with other people to improve their lives so i definitely thought about it from the beginning that it was something that was driving me i think putting it into words and knowing that that was my driver was something you know jeff and and tim actually you guys helped me sort of realize that that was a driver like it was in there this whole time but i didn't really realize it if that makes sense yeah so it was kind of in the background but not necessarily clarified got it mm -hmm. so um right now then who, who are you working with who's your who's your like who's your best uh who's your ideal client right now yeah, that's a great question. So I'm working with a lot of individual people. So people who are finding me on their own, uh, they are feeling overwhelmed, burned out, stressed, not sure what to work on next. They have so much to do and no time to do it. They know they want a change, but they just don't know how to get there. Um, so people often, I say, if, if you have a growth mindset, if you want to make a change, that is a great person to work with me. Um, but as far as what businesses they're in, I have worked with 
business owner. I have worked with uh, people in a small business. I have worked with people in a corporate environment who work on a large team. So it's not one particular niche, but the thing that I keep seeing is how they're feeling. So what their career is or what industry they're in doesn't necessarily matter, but it's how they're feeling. Um, that stressed, overwhelmed, burned out feeling is where I can really help people. On the other side of that, I'm doing a lot of corporate training right now. So people have obviously transitioned you know, to working from home, now starting to transition to working back in an office. The rules of work have all changed. So I'm actually helping a lot of teams through that right now. So uh, on that side of things, I work with a lot of HR professionals. Um, I just got asked to speak at an HR conference in uh, August. So I'll be doing that. So the, the corporate training thing has been really interesting as well. Tim, you're on mute, but it looks like you're talking. Right. Thanks. Sorry. Uh, can I ask you a quick follow up on that? Mm -hmm. um, so because uh, you said you were doing corporate trainings and a lot of your messaging has been around um, giving people like a, a sense of, of freedom. Um, in their lives, how does that how, does that messaging work with your like corporate clients who bring you in to work with their teams and stuff like that? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really good question. Well, one of the things there that I I really stress with corporate clients is communication. How are we communicating with one another? Because often we are not asking our teams to work after hours, and we're not emailing them at ten o'clock at night expecting a response but they're feeling that way because of an action that was taken or some unspoken underlying uh, fill in the blanks that have occurred. So I really try to work with teams on not so much what time is the office closing and, and this and that, because that's really a culture conversation, but really how are we communicating with one another? So some of these anxieties that come about from productivity don't have to happen. You know, like, often we are uh, escalating some of these issues in our mind and making employees feel a certain way when that's just really not the case. If they answer at nine the next morning, it's fine. You just happen to hit send on an email at 10 p.m. So I just, I'm trying to help companies through that whole conversation on, you know, your actions really do instill a lot of anxieties in people, but I don't think it's maliciously. I just don't think people are are really realizing how their actions affect other people so deeply. Wow, I had not considered that perspective. <laughs> like what you said, yeah. just, uh, can easily put pressure on other people. Um, going back to like your responsibilities and the things that you get to do, because you're doing training, you're doing coaching, you're speaking, all of these things. Um, when you look at your uh, the time, the way that your time is spent and what you get to do, what's your favorite part about it? Or what's your favorite aspect? Oh, that's a good of question. Week? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think what's what's great, and it's actually one of the things I do with my clients, is to think about the the zone of genius. Like, where are you the best? And being honest about what lights you on fire. I mean, I have to say, if I have a Zoom with like a hundred plus people on it and people are participating and asking good questions and like we're getting uh, chat participation and answering polls. Like it just lights me up. I just, I, I get such an energy from that. So um, it, it, and it's a totally different energy than the 
than the coaching client. That's that's a longer term development. And I really see a transformation with them over a longer period of time versus like that quick hit in a, you know, in a two hour corporate training. So I guess I'm getting it from uh, different angles, which which is also quite cool. You know, I think it's cool in a business that, yes, I'm a productivity coach, but that can look uh, like so many different things. So, um, you know, for people who are listening, I think the way that you can think about that for yourself is what lights you up? You know, if, if standing in front of a room and, and, and speaking terrifies you, then don't go the speaker route, you know, and being, being honest about that. You can be a coach and never be a speaker. I'm a coach who loves to speak, so I wanted to incorporate that. But yeah, it's just paying attention to you know what you what you really like. I love that. What and one other question is like, who who do you learn from? Who do you really love to kind of gain wisdom from that fuels you to do more of what you're doing? Mm, that's really good. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I try to be diverse in the podcasts that I listen to. Um, I love Adam Grant's podcast. He's a professor at, at Wharton. He's awesome. Um, I listen to HBR has a wonderful uh, podcast called Women at Work. They've been really covering some interesting topics and how it's affecting females in the workplace during the pandemic. So those are probably two of my favorites, but I like to be diverse in what I am learning. So I'm not just listening to productivity experts, but I'm listening to a lot of, you know, psychologists and like Stanford does really cool studies on productivity. So I, I like to see what research they're doing. So, you know, it comes from all angles. So I, I just... I love to learn. And I definitely, you know, if I'm taking the dog for a walk, I'm listening to a podcast. So learning is definitely a part of my everyday. Sarah, I know permission is a really big topic for you. It's one that we've talked a lot about. It's one that you've brought up a couple times here. Um, I have a, a couple questions in my pocket that I want to ask you before we run out of time on everything. Where I want to start with is, um, if you could share kind of what you've learned about the idea of permission, you know, you talked about, you know, find what lights you on fire. If you like speaking, do speaking. If you don't, don't do it. But so many people are, you know, stopped by doubt. They're stopped by the, you know, you said earlier on the podcast, like, you know, why can't I do this? Right. So you've had an interesting relationship to the idea of permission. What are some of the things that you've learned about that topic? And what, what would you want people listening to know about? Yeah, I, it per, the the lack of permission, the feeling like you don't have permission to do something, is very forceful, and it and it's not. You don't notice it often, right? Like we're going about our day, and you don't really think about like, do I have permission to do this or not? Like it's not you know at the forefront. But as I reflected on the past, you know, eighteen months or so. It's really something that I keep seeing, you know, like someone gave me permission or I gave myself permission. And those were the moments that things really shifted for me. And for me, you know, it's like permission to believe in yourself, permission to know that you're you're good enough, you're capable enough. Um, but it's also permission from those close to me. You know, truthfully, my husband had to say, yes to this. He had to say, I'm supporting you in this. So it can be quite tangible, but it can also be something that's hard, hard to put your finger on it. But I really realized that what was holding me back was a, a sense of, 
I didn't have permission. Who was I to go become an entrepreneur? Who was I to leave a great career? Um, who was I to do these things, right? That's how I really did feel before. And that comes from a career of being, you know, I was, I was a young executive. Like I became, I had a seat at that leadership table at a very young age. And I always felt like, do I deserve to be here? I was the only woman on the leadership team. Do I deserve to be here? So there was always these kind of doubts I had throughout my career. And then, like I said, two, three years ago, I you know, I don't exactly have a moment where things shifted, but I just thought like, okay, no, you do. Like you have permission, go do that thing. Like, and so I think it came from me maturing, growing up, like wisdom with age, I suppose a, a little bit and confidence in some of the successes that I had had in my career. And then of course, surrounding me with self, my, myself with people who build me up and light me up. And, and I think I'm just so grateful to have a community and you guys in my life that are like, we are constantly just feeding each other and encouraging each other. So I just feel really grateful to have found the permission within myself, but also had wonderful people to tell me like, you got this. So my, my quick follow-up to that would be just, what did you, if you were to like take it on a, like a hundred percent scale and you were to like divvy it up between things in your life that you felt like you needed permission for that, that like you felt you actually needed permission for versus things that you feel like you didn't need permission for. What do you think it was then pre pre epiphany, whenever that time was versus post epiphany? Like how much do you think in people's lives, you know, you can even just say in your own life, do you feel like you actually needed permission for versus the things where you were making it up in your head that you did? The example you gave your husband is a really good one. Like partnerships rely upon that's sort of like agreement and there is an element of permission there, but there's probably a handful of other examples you can give where it was just all you needed to do was say so. So yeah. how, what do you think the percentage kind of shift was from the pre-epiphany to post-epiphany? Oh gosh, it's probably 80, 20, you know, one way. And then it, it switched to 20, 80 in all honesty. But yeah, I think so often we think we need permission to do something. And, and we really don't, the other person doesn't even know they're supposed to give it to us. Right. You know, it's like, can I ask the next question on the podcast? It's like, of course you can go ahead, ask it. And, you know, Jeff's not in charge of who has the next question. If Parshall wants to well, ask it, she can, you know, whoa, so whoa, whoa. let's slow down. Now. Yeah. I'm totally in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Always, always. <laughs> but I think we sort of we put some of those things on as just a simple example. Like, is is Jeff in charge of this meeting? Is he in charge of this podcast? Should I speak up? Should I say something? You know, these are kind of moments where we're always it's essentially a status thing. Do I have the status to be in this position? Do I have the status to speak my voice at the meeting? Do I have you know, the ability to say, I don't agree with that. So I think we're always sort of fighting this permission at, at different levels throughout our, you know, our career and our, in our personal lives as well. So, you know, it, it definitely shifted. And I think some of this really does come with age and experience. You know, I, I think it's hard when you're a young female, especially to really feel this in the business world. And I just, I was given a lot of opportunity at a young age. And I feel grateful that I, that I took it and ran with it, but I don't, I didn't have the confidence when I was 23 that I did at 33 that I probably will at 43. So. For the public record, you all have permission and for the public record, you never needed my permission. So just for the public record, I'm glad we squashed that hierarchy, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> now, Tim, but we put that on us for, so Tim, much. 
Tim, be you know, sure to ask permission for your next question though. <laughs> I see it happen with parents. I see it happen with older siblings. You know, this can happen in so many ways where it's like, why do you have to ask your older sibling if you can do something like, it? <laughs> but that's just the way you grew up. So it's, it's interesting. But I think it's interesting too. You're saying like, after you get to a certain age, it's like, you know, you kind of start to just wake up a little bit and say, you know what, I actually can't do this. Nothing is really in my way. Um, I was telling a group of friends of mine, we're kind of at the same age. And um, I realized I started wearing like this fanny pack thing to which when I was younger, I used to think like, dude, that person is whack who's wearing this like <laughs> fanny pack or whatever. Like I would never wear anything like that. And I'm finding myself just, you know, kind of doing these like weird things that are, you know, just new. And I think some of it is, yes, permission to wear a fanny pack whenever I feel like it or whatever. But just it, it's just something that I think kind of clicks on as you get older. And I think instead of saying we're getting old, I told my my people, I'm like, we're just maturing. That's exactly. what's happening here. We're maturing. And it's just part of that process. Right. Even if that means you're putting on sandals, you know, those older. Anyway, it was a thing back in the day. People just wore and just did weird things. Seemed like whack, but now I'm doing whack things and I feel very good about it. But so. I think that's about like your confidence level too. Yeah. You know, and I think with every experience and person you meet, like your confidence goes up a little bit, honestly. And at some point you're like, I don't care if they don't like my fanny pack. It's fine. <laughs> I'm owning it. Like fashion yes. is about wearing it with confidence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think it just, it has to be something that just kind of clicks after a while, which I think, you know, ties in with what you're saying. I eventually started to just realize I can give myself permission um, to do this or to feel or be a certain way. Mm. As someone who wears superhero shirts every day, I dig this conversation so hard. <laughs> I gave myself permission a little while ago to do that, and it's been great. It's been really just dynamite. Well, Sarah, let me ask you some questions uh, that I think coming out of this, there, there's kind of two angles I want to I want to talk a little bit about company culture with you and your recommendations. So two pieces. One, I think the permission piece being one of it, uh, how organizations can create cultures where people understand that they have the permission to make positive impact. Mm -hmm. But my original place I wanted to go with it was talking about the cultural changes that companies listening right now could make today that would make your job a lot easier and would make for more productive cultures. So let's start there. And if you want to touch on the, the permission thing, you can, but um, I'm really curious about, um, you know, what are the, you know, you said you were talking earlier about like the email at nights and weekends, right? And and the expectations that might set. What are some things that you've seen in your experience that are sort of pervasive across the, the work culture that if you could wave your magic wand and change it, it would make your life a lot easier uh, mm -hmm. to go and do the work that, you know, and make the impact that you want to? Yeah. So I'll answer the permission thing really, really, really quickly. But permission can be as simple as in the meeting saying to the intern, I want you to participate. I want your opinion. It matters to me. So again, I don't think permission is saying, oh, go waltz into the CEO's office and say whatever you want. But it's about encouraging people in appropriate moments to participate. Like now's your chance to, to share that thing you've been working on. So I think as you're, if you're a manager, encourage those that you work with to really let them know when it's their opportunity to, to have permission and participate. So quick answer there. Um, your other question, Okay, so my big thing is 
clarify. So my co-productivity system starts with C and the C is for clarify. Because if I see something more than anything else, it is vague misinformation and that wastes so much time, effort and energy like across organizations. And so I really feel that if companies can get their direction, they can get on course they can tell people clearly the steps that we are going to take to get here. And that means, you know, what is it? Why are we doing it? When is it due? Who is working on it? These are simple things, really, but they get missed so often. So getting more clarity, giving people on your team more clear instruction and purpose for their work is really like if we could if we could do a better job with that across company cultures, we would really succeed quite quickly. It would take you down to oat. You would just be doing I, It would be oat, which I really, I love like oats. I love oatmeal, <laughs> oat milk. So it's, if we can get, if I, if I can get to just oat, I really will have accomplished. You could be sponsored on Instagram too. Yeah. Think about that. You know, yeah. right now you should be getting coat offers, but soon oat oats. offers. Yes. Yeah. If, if everybody listening would just do that, that would be great. <laughs> Oh man. All right. So last, last round of questions and then we'll start to wrap up this amazing conversation. Um, my question was going to be really, where do you see so productive in five years? Like if you were to look down the road, what's your vision? Yeah, I love that. So, well, one of my visions is to work with Parshall and create a wonderful digital course because I do feel that there are there are some people who can take a course, learn and execute fully on their own, and I think creating a digital course would really help me reach just, you know, a ton of people. And right now I can only work with so many clients at a time, but that would be a cool way to really uh Get the get the coat, possibly oat message out to more people at one time. So that would be a five year ideal for sure. Uh, Sarah, if um, if I wanted to work with you, how would I go about doing that? Oh, that's a wonderful question, Tim. So uh, so-productive.com is my website. And I really recommend that people book a discovery call. And that goes for working with me or any coach because Working with a coach is a very personal experience. And so if we talk for a few minutes and, you know, you just hit it off with me and you like the energy, like the vibe, then we should work together. And that goes for me too. If, if, if we get on a call and you're sort of down and, and, and you're feeling like you're not going to do the work, because this is work. This isn't like, you know, after one session, everything's cured. This is I'm working for you and you're working, doing the work with me. Um, I think it's really important that that's a, that's a two-way street that we connect. So um, yeah, working with a coach is so personal. So definitely book a discovery call with me. Uh, otherwise, if you want to uh, utilize me and Jeff, we're doing some corporate trainings together. And we're also doing Asana, which is a task management tool. Uh, we're helping teams onboard onto the Asana task management platform. So that's another great way that you can work with me. And that's typically we, we work with a lot of HR teams on that. Great. And then I'll just close out with my one final question uh, prior to uh, the sort of wrap up questions, which are, I know you do um, a lot of uh, different content projects. So you've put together multiple uh, PDFs that people can download. Uh, you've written some blog posts, you do a bunch of stuff on LinkedIn. Um, so 
I know you're normally asked questions at the end of podcasts and things like that, where people can connect with you or where they can hire you. Uh, but I think you do such, uh, you know, incredible work putting all that time and energy into your content. Where can people best follow the sort of content you're putting out? Because there's a lot of value they can get, even if they don't work with you just from following your content. Yeah. So LinkedIn is a really fun place because it's so interactive and I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So that's a, that's a great place to connect with me. And then my website, so-productive.com, like Jeff said, I've got the blog there. And then I also have a, a tools and freebies page. So if you go there, you can download, I have a guilt-free guide to saying no, which is very helpful for people pleasers. There are some exact scripts in there. Uh, I also have uh, 10, 10 questions to ask when setting priorities. So again, those are all on my website and people can take a download of, of those documents. Awesome. Well, Sarah, you've been a phenomenal guest and council member. Uh, thanks for letting us pick you apart and ask you questions and learn all about your background and what you're interested in and why you do things and how people can hire you and all that sort of good stuff. Um, I think it's really important that people know their council member very, very intimately and, and what drives them. So thank you for, uh, for sharing with us your journey and, and all of that. Um, and thanks to my fellow council members for, again, being amazing council members. Uh, I'm glad that I gave you all permission to talk. Today. <laughs> <laughs> really good of me. And I'm very proud of myself for doing that. That's it. And by the way, we didn't get to acknowledge Jeff's. He turned a year older, right? And I think that's I did. you missed your last week. So just wanted oh, to make sure that you. you know that you are appreciated and loved and celebrated for being here on the planet, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was uh, it was actually one of my favorite birthdays that I have had uh, in a very, very long time. I think that's exclusively because of the daughter, because uh, she's two days after me. Uh, and that was like way cool. Uh, well, thank you, Parshall. That was really sweet. And yeah. also, uh, Parshall sent me, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Parshall sent me uh, a photo. She texted me and she was rocking the Superhero Institute sweatshirt uh, on my birthday. And I was like, oh, man, that like really warms my heart. Um, so it was really, really cool. Um, so all of the different places where you can connect with any of the council members, including Sarah, will be found in the show notes. Uh, please tune in next week, uh, Monday, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time uh, for another episode of The Heroic Council. You can find all of the episodes. I think I'm behind on one on publishing George James's episode, which was the last one. And I'm going to get that one up and this one up in short order. But you can always subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. You can watch these live or after the fact on YouTube. And as always, you can go to superheroinstitute.org slash heroic to find everything that you need. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. And thanks again to all of my council members. I freaking love you people. And it's always great to see your faces. Take care, everyone. Tune in next week. Bye.